as we welcome in Tyler Yeremchuk from Oilers Nation. Good morning, Chucker. Welcome back to the big show. Hey, Kev. Thanks for having me. You know, we got a text that just came in. It came from the King of Fort Nasty, and it said, you know that Yeremchuk is still in his PJs eating cereal and watching cartoons. That can't be true, can it? Come on, I feel like I don't get enough credit here. It's it's 7.42. I've been up for a little bit already. I know you have. I know you have. You've probably been up longer than I have. (laughs) No, well, no, not quite. I couldn't do a morning show, but uh, it's easy. It's also easy when I can just roll downstairs into my own basement studio and get my stuff going. That that helps. Well, I was just juicing you, of course, but uh, getting back, you were in Toronto. How, How many were you out there? Uh, five days. Five. Got in on Wednesday, stayed right up until uh, Sunday after All-Star festivities kind of wrapped up. An awesome week. The NHL always does a really good job with, with All-Star weekend. I know people who just experience it on TV or whatever always think, you know, waste of a weekend. It's mm-hmm. boring. But when you're there, it's a totally different vibe. That's the third one I've gotten to cover, and it was really, really good. So being up close and personal, is there anything in particular that stood out for you? I thought they really nailed the skills competition this year. I'm not sure how well it translated on TV. I know some of the reviews were pretty good, but for once they made it feel meaningful. And, you know, maybe it's because last year it was in Florida and nobody in Florida cared. The rink was half empty for the skills competition, whatever. But this year the players really bought in. I know Connor McDavid had a lot to do with that. I thought for the first time really in NHL skills competition history, they found a shootout system that works. So we got this cool one-on-one showdown between players and goalies cash on the line. Like the skills competition was it was electric in that building, so that was probably the best part of the weekend. Tyler, you're check from Oilers Nation with us on Sports 1440. So did you feel that they took some, you know, even going back to Vegas, some hokiness, I guess, out of the weekend? Yeah, and again, I know they loved kind of trying to create viral moments with those skills competitions and the skits they were doing and all of that, yeah. but I just think real hockey fans don't really care about that stuff. Maybe some kids get a chuckle out of it, but come on, if you're a kid watching the skills competition, you get just as much of a kick out of watching Connor McDavid do 12 consecutive breakaways than you do out of Jack Hughes wearing a cape pretending to do a magic trick in Vegas, right? So Mm -hmm. I do think they took some of the cheesiness out of it. They made it kind of meaningful. I mean, a million bucks up for grabs. I know people are kind of sitting there saying, you know, oh, these guys are already millionaires. Why do they care? But if someone gives you a chance to win, you know, (laughs) one tenth or for some of those guys, one seventh of your salary in a three hour span, you're going to go pretty hard. And that's what we saw. And and the players went a lot harder, the ones that were in the skills than the game itself. It was pretty easy to see that, don't you think? Yeah, and that's why I think going forward, if you're the NHL, like make the skills competition the marquee event. And they already kind of do, right? Mm -hmm. They put it on Friday night, the skills competition, or sorry, the game itself is Saturday afternoon. It starts at 3 o'clock Eastern time. But I think they should buy into making the skills competition the big, big moment of the weekend. I think Mm -hmm. naturally it already kind of is, but you can definitely tell in the all-star game and be behind the scenes there. Like when guys are eliminated – they are gone to the airport before that <laughs> second game even happens. I think in that first game, there's a lot of guys who are like, you know, if we lose, we're, we're out of here like an hour and a bit earlier. That's not bad. But then when they get to that final meeting of the All-Star Tournament, they almost have the sense of like, well, we're here. We're playing anyways. Might as well try to win an extra hundred grand each. But that first game, it's always painful. Tyler, you Check with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So Oilers in Vegas tonight. And it seems like we haven't had a game for more than the 9, 10 days or whatever it was. But finally, we are back as far as the Oilers go. A couple games in the NHL last night. But, you know, 
I've never been able to cover a team that has been on a roll like this in in you know the 26 years I've been here and it's a it's an interesting dynamic in the sense that you know you're trying to create some history but just listening to all the Oilers yesterday it was neat to hear them going about you know we just kind of want to stick with what we're doing here and the, the streak is it's fine that we we're, we're banging these in a row but you know it's more important to make sure our game is kind of still polished uh, moving forward here. Yeah, and what an interesting win streak it's been because they've they've won in so many different ways, right? Like there have been stretches and particularly the last two games before the break where it's like, oh, it's Connor McDavid in the power play starting to dominate once again. But for so much of this streak, it was good defensive hockey. It was good goaltending. It was limiting your scoring chances. And I think that's really what's been the most impressive part to me. And when they sit there and say to the media, no, we're we're not worried about the streak. We're just worried about doing things the right way. I kind of sit there and go, yeah, we can, we know it's not lip service because we now have 16 consecutive games to look back on and go good defensive showdown, good defensive game. Like they've kind of walked the walk, not just talked the talk. Like maybe we've seen in the past. So this team, you know, when they, when they won that first run of eight straight games earlier in the season, my big thing, I was like, they're not showing me anything different. This is mm-hmm. Connor McDavid dominating. This is their power play helping them win a lot of hockey games. I wasn't that impressed. I'm sitting here now totally changing my tune going, they are showing me something different now. They're showing they can win tight, low-scoring hockey games, and that's something we really have never seen from this group. And you know what, Tyler, in the, when you say that too, changing your tune, it's also maybe changed the tune of many Oiler fans and media people with – the sense of there's been very little trade talk, really. It's been quiet because why do you want to change things? Why do you want to make things, uh, you know, why do you want to upset the apple cart, so to speak, with the exception of the Corey Perry ad here? I mean, it. I mean, it's way quieter this year than I have remember in years past. Would you agree with that? It is way quieter than in years past. I think part of it, obviously, winning cures it all. If they had lost four in a row heading into the All-Star break, we probably would have spent the last seven days talking about who they're trading the first round pick for. I think the other side of it, though, is there's no one good on the trade market. Like, yeah. I, you know, I follow Frank's trade targets list on Daily Faceoff. Good company plug by me there. <laughs> Send it to my bosses. But yeah. the top two names on his list are already off the board in Lindholm and Monaghan. And mm-hmm. you look at the other players in the top 10 and you just kind of go like, Okay, really Nick Dowd? Like, we're going to get all hyped up about Nick Dowd? So part of it is the Oilers winning. Part of it is, I think this is the has the potential to be the slowest trade deadline we've seen in a decade. Mm-hmm. What about Jake Gensel? I love Jake Gensel if he's available, but I think the yeah. problem right now, and we're hearing rumblings that Pittsburgh's, you know, trying to work towards extending him before the deadline. We know he's tight with Sidney Crosby. We know they play a lot and work well together. If Pittsburgh trades Jake Gensel, they're they're waving a white flag to an extent here. And do you want to be the GM and Kyle Dubas who waves the white flag in one of the few seasons Sidney Crosby has left? Like, probably not. So mm-hmm. I would love Jake Gensel as a fit. I would move a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, even though he'd be a pure rental. I'd move a lot to try to get Jake Gensel in here. But... I just have a really hard time believing Pittsburgh seriously considering moving this guy. I kind of agree with you because, uh, you know, Dubas would be looking like, what am I doing here with uh, the age of my core group? And, you know, they've talked about the big three there for many years. Carlson, for some reason, hasn't fit in this year because of the the dynamic that they had before. But um, Tyler Yarmchuk, Oilers Nation, with us on Sports 1440. As far as the Oilers goaltending situation goes, are you completely happy with how it is moving forward, even past the deadline, if there isn't a move made? 
completely happy? No. Would I be fine if we got to the end of the day, March 8th, and they don't add a goalie? Yeah, I I think I would just Mm -hmm. because this team doesn't have a lot of future assets to spend. This team doesn't have a lot of cap space to spend either, right? So you sit there and you go, okay, if you have limited cap space, limited assets, and you know you need to, you, you know, you probably should add some depth on defense. You probably want to add another centerman to the mix, and you might be tempted to, like you said, spend up and go get a scoring top six right winger to ride shotgun with Leon Dreisaitl. If you want to do all those things, do you want to go spend a good chunk of your remaining cap space and a second-round pick on Marc-Andre Fleury where, you know, in a best-case scenario, the goalie you bring in isn't going to play a game for you. Stuart Skinner should be your guy in the playoffs. Shouldn't won't play a playoff game for you, I should add. Stuart Skinner should be your guy. And I think what we've seen from Skinner over the last month and a half is he's capable of going on a very, very elite run. And with Pickard, has he given you a reason not to trust him yet outside of the fact that his name's Calvin Pickard? He's got a 9.15 save percentage. They've let him sit on the bench for 10 days and then they throw him into action against the Devils and it's like, boom, he gives you a good performance and he sits for another 10 days and you throw him back in and boom, it's another good performance. So just because his name's Calvin Pickard, yep. we're itching to upgrade him. Like, I, I don't know. I think he hasn't given you a reason not to trust him yet. So why should you waste one of the few assets you have and the little calf space you have on an upgrade that maybe won't even need to be necessary? You know, it's funny you say that, Chuck. I've said for years and years, if you take the jersey off the guy and put another jersey on it and the casual fan goes, let's just put Marc-Andre Fleury, the jersey on him, on Cal Pickard and, and put Cal Pickard in the goal check his numbers out, see what he's done, winning the games, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's going, man, this is just unbelievable. But it's the name. It's the fact that, you know, he's been, you know, besides that year in Colorado when he had 50 50 games played, he's a journeyman. He hasn't played much. So it's funny how fans just can't get past that. And I've always gone, just get past it because the guy's been playing lights out for you. So uh, where, where are you at with Connor Brown here moving forward in the sense that, you know, we've we've waited a long time here. It's he's played thirty eight games, and still no goals. So where are you at with him? Oh, he was my preseason hype guy this year as well. <laughs> I watched him in a couple of those preseason games. I was like, man, he moves well. He goes to the right spots. He finds those soft spots in the offensive zone. I was talking to Frank. I'm like, Frank, he might score twenty five goals this year, and well, he won't, um, to say the least. But I'm okay with him still playing. This is Mm -hmm. not one of those guys who I sit there and watch and, you know, want to claw my eyes out and go, he's doing nothing. Why are they playing him? Because you can see him still doing a lot of the right things on the ice. And he's an important part of the penalty kill. And he still goes hard to the net. And the play doesn't always die on his stick. Like, I like Connor Brown more than I like Matthias Janmark. And I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting that the difference between those two is exactly one goal. goal. And that one goal went in off Janmark's chest. Like, in terms of goals being scored off their stick or off an actual hockey play, Connor Brown and Matias Janmark are both at zero. And I think it's interesting. And I know part of it is because of the dead cap bonus and all of that stuff that goes with Connor Brown. But Connor Brown's become a whipping boy. Mm-hmm. Matias Janmark, who I know has been great defensively. I'm not trying to say he isn't. But like offensive production-wise, he's gotten a total pass because of Connor Brown. So I'm cool with Connor Brown playing. And if I had to make a list of who's next coming out of the lineup as they start to potentially make some ads ahead of the deadline. I think you take out Gagne before you take out Connor Brown. I think you take out Yanmark. And I would Hmm. maybe, maybe be tempted to take out Derek Ryan if you added a centerman before I take out Connor Brown. Wow. Okay. Uh, That's uh, Tyler Uramchuk from Oilers Nation. And uh, so you're back in the swing of things after the big trip out uh, to the big smoke, uh, Chucker. So what do you got cooking on Oilers Nation here in the next little bit and things going forward? 
Yeah, we got a, a pretty busy day going here with game days returning. I'm live every day at uh, 12 o'clock Mountain over on the Oilers Nation YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're throwing a watch party downtown Edmonton at Greta tonight as the Oilers look to tie a streak. So, I mean, if I wasn't hard enough on my body through five days in Toronto, why not go to a bar on a Tuesday and watch the Oilers <laughs> try to uh, tie the streak? Eh? You, were, you weren't uh, getting at her in Toronto, were you? Uh, who's I don't know who's listening, so I'll just say no. <laughs> yes. Well, the last time when you went out to Philadelphia, Frank said he woke you up one morning and there was like 16 empty Lowenbrow bottles on the bedstand in his basement. Yeah, that seems about on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> Lowenbrow, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had one before? No. Oh, no. What's your, what would be your beer of choice if you're, if you're sitting down for a pint? Oh, sitting down for a pint. I'm one of those guys, like I'm a craft beer guy. Yeah. So I love to just sit down and try something that's new and local. I love what the people out at Sea Change do. Yes. I love what the people at SYC do. Any of those good local breweries, as soon as I see those, I'm a sucker for that. There you go. Hey, uh, thanks for this big fella. Get back in those PJs and get that bowl of cereal going. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Kev. All right. That's uh, Tyler Yeramchuk from Oilers Nation.